Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. So welcome. This episode of the Let's Get Real podcast is brought to you by our first corporate sponsor, Chris Johnson of FC Tucker Real Estate, as well as the Near North Real Estate Group. Chris has been a real estate agent in the Indianapolis area for over 20 years, and he has been a personal friend and our personal real estate agent uh, for the last 15 years. We have bought and sold at least four houses from Chris. He is personable. uh, He is conscientious. He has both the seller and the buyer in mind, and he can meet all of your real estate needs if you're in central Indiana. So if you're thinking about buying or selling or just have questions about the real estate market, given all of the stuff that's happened over the last several months with interest rates and everything that's going on in the real estate market, you can call Chris at 317-414-5332. Huge thank you to Chris Johnson and Near North Real Estate Group for their sponsorship and belief in the Let's Get Real podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Let's Get Real podcast. We are excited. We are at episode number six. Number six, baby. We're excited. But we, after like an incredible episode number five with Nick and Jess Connolly, we wanted to take some time to unpack a topic that is very important to us and very close to our hearts uh, for a number of reasons that we'll get into. But Today, we want to talk about mental health and specifically anxiety and depression. And Jess kind of talked a little bit about her story. And we thought, man, this is a good opportunity to have a conversation. And our goal is just to start a conversation about mental health, you know, in order for us as followers of Jesus to be all that God has called us to be. We have to be willing to speak hope, not just into the easy topics, which I'm a fan of. I don't know about you. Uh, I, our last podcast, Justin and I just had fun talking about, I don't know, like Irish triplets and <laughs> me trying to say words, but it's also important to tackle tough topics as well. And we have to be willing to be vulnerable and honest about this topic about mental health. You know, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is, you know, we've been in ministry for over 20 years and specifically when I was growing up in the church. I felt like the church equated mental health struggles uh, with a deficiency of spiritual maturity. Like there was this Mm. stigma around mental health where if you struggled with depression, if you struggled with anxiety, if you had mental health issues, it was almost a reflection of your faith, right? You just, if you're, if you're depressed, you just need to be more joyful. Just there's joy in the Lord, right? And if you struggle with fear, just have more faith and faith over fear. And if you struggle with anxiety, well, you just need to pray more. And I think, What's happened is we have not just, it doesn't just put a stigma on mental health. It spiritualizes something that sometimes is um, a chemical imbalance. It makes people feel like they're not what they should be in their relationship with God at, at no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. And we, we have friends who have struggled with su- suicidal ideation. We have friends that have struggled with anxiety, crippling anxiety, right? And if we just said to them, oh, you're anxious, well, just pray. Well, I think they've probably done that, right? And so rather than just kind of write a prescription of here's a spiritual dose of prayer to cover your anxiety, I, I feel like the church and specifically followers of Jesus should be leading the way in providing hope and help and resources and having these conversations that set people free to experience God's best, even when they are do struggle in this area of mental health because 
you and I are no strangers to this. No, it's interesting. I always think about us as Gen Xers, like we are such a weirdo generation because growing up, I mean, mental health, that just wasn't even a conversation. We didn't have language. And then I think now, um, you know, the generations that have come after us, while they have been given the gift of language around mental health, I mean, to be in school these days, middle school, high school, even elementary, in all that people, students especially, are bombarded with, and then as parents, us trying to engage in that conversation. Well, and you have social media and you have COVID, like the multipliers of mental health, um, you know, uh, things that affect our mental and emotional health these days, it feels like, you know, they're just, they, they it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I did a, some, I did some research in preparation for this podcast and I, I um, was reading some articles on the National Alliance on Mental Illness website. And here's just some, some, a snapshot of some, some stats for you. One in five adults in our culture today, in our, in our country today, uh, struggle with a mental health condition. Approximately one in five youth aged 13 to 17 experience a severe mental disorder at some point during their life. Um, anxiety or, uh, or disorders are reaching epidemic proportions, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And this one, this last one really, really just kind of was a gut punch. The average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Ugh. And it really just speaks to, to what you were talking about yeah. as far as just being a student today. And we've, we've raised students, right? We've seen them come up in this culture and, and try to navigate COVID and, and try to manage social media and just the, the, you know, <laughs> for me and you, it was like, do you like me? Yes or no? Circle one, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I always say when I think about like those of you who are parent parenting littles right now, I think I would have been an awful parent because I'd been like, here's an iPad. Like <laughs> you guys have so much more to contend with in finding that like gray line of, what is entertainment? What is, hey, learning my ABCs? And then what is being bombarded by just all of the things? And so. Well, I was just going to say the bottom line for this podcast is your mental health is as important to God as your spiritual growth. Right. And I think we try to compartmentalize Christianity sometimes and think, well, mental health is over here and spiritual growth is over here. No, God sees us holistically. God sees us um, not just as we are, but as we can be. Mm-hmm. And our mental and emotional health is as important to him as it is our spiritual growth. And so I, I really am I'm looking forward to this conversation because you and I have struggled and overcome and struggled and overcome Mm -hmm. uh, over and over again in this area. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what they're going to say. This could be triggering. We do want to tell you, we're going to talk about some difficult things and we're not going into, you know, detail, but at the same time, just to prepare your heart. And as we do, it is very important for Justin and I, and for you as a listener to know this, that depression is not a sin. And depression and mental health issues does not negate your worth or your giftedness or your character. And so there is a baseline of health that we are working from that as we share our stories, as we share about the hard, difficult parts of dealing with mental health issues, as we do, there is this reminder that is our anchor that 
in the struggle is not a sin. And in the struggle is not our worth. And in the struggle, it doesn't take away what God has gifted us to do, uh, nor does it negate the truth of our character. In fact, I think people who have fought through mental health issues are some of my biggest heroes. You are the strongest and most amazing people I have met. You know, Trish, this isn't just something that we're talking about for people out there. This is something that I think we struggled with in our marriage and didn't have words or language to identify it, Mm -hmm. but it really kind of um, manifested itself in a really tangible and um, overwhelming way a few years ago. And and maybe you can walk us through a little bit of the mental health journey that you've been on over the last four, four and a half years. Yeah. Like I said, you know, growing up, we didn't really have this conversation, but I don't ever remember like hiding my feelings either. I just... There wasn't a a metric of like what's healthy and normal and what is unhealthy or possibly dangerous. And when I was in middle school, I had a very close friend. Um, In fact, he was like my first boyfriend. And we did like middle school calling. And, (laughs) you know, I'll never forget getting the phone call that he had taken his life. Hmm. And I remember as a middle schooler, like, I literally was dropped off at his funeral and nobody was with me and nobody was talking. It was just sad. And it was like, that was that he was gone and you just moved on. And now being into adulthood, I'm so grateful for the language that we do have because I I believe it, it saved my life. And, you know, I've never struggled like with depression. I mean, seasonal depression, I mean, everybody has to be a little sad when the sun goes away for quite a while when you live in the Midwest. Um, But we were in a season of our oldest son getting married. We were launching our next child into college. We had adopted and it was so much change and so much transition. And I could not find my, my footing I just, everything was changing so quickly. And so when I had done something for so long in parenting and then literally like overnight, my parenting had to change. Um, I was letting go of kids that I literally had like given my whole adult life to. Cause you know, you and I, we, we have no idea what it's like to not have children in our home. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we were young when we had our kids and our oldest son, Micah and I, we just kind of get each other. Like, I don't ever remember us like getting into like a huge fight. I mean, he'd get on my nerves and I would be like, (laughs) dude, you know, like the normal stuff. But a couple weeks before his wedding, he and I, I was actually, we, we were on a road trip was supposed to be like our last road trip together. And I was speaking at a church in Detroit and we get into this massive fight on the way. Like we are yelling at each other. Like we have never yelled at each other and um, we're both crying And then I had to go and talk about forgiveness at the church service. It was pretty (laughs) awful. But there was something in that became a tipping point to all of the change that was happening. And I found myself, I explained it to people as if like my brain had broke. Hmm. It was like I had done all this work as a mom for all these years. And in my mind, this one argument had a way more like an inappropriate amount of weight on my heart and mind. And for some reason, that conversation just began my downward spiral. 
I, I can remember, I remember you calling and talking to me about that conversation, but then kind of seeing you over the next few weeks withdraw and mm-hmm. kind of isolate and, and it, it didn't feel inappropriate at the time to, for what we were going through, right? I mean, we were marrying off a kid. We had another kid going to college. We had new, two new kids in the house. Like there was so much going on. And so I wasn't really aware of just how much you were trying to wade through and swim through and, and kind of keep your head above water mentally and emotionally initially. Yeah. And we were church planning. Yeah. Like, so there was all these, all this change. And if you've ever been in a place where you just feel like the waves keep knocking you down, like you, you can't even stand up to like yell for help or stand up or ask someone to like, this is what's going on. And by God's grace, I just, I'll never forget. I didn't come to work for a couple of days. In fact, I took a like faux sabbatical and everyone thought I was really tired and I thought I was really tired. But then when I began to realize that life was too hard to live, you know, when I got to, it makes me emotional, got to a place of like, I was just tired. I remember, I mean, I'm getting emotional too. I remember you came home one night and you had just been out. I don't know, like you just went driving around. For hours. I was driving for hours. Yeah. And and you told me you were going to the mall. You told me you were going somewhere, but you just kind of came home and just kind of unloaded. Like I, I I'm not, I'm not well. I think that's kind of what you said was mm-hmm. I'm not well. And it, it kind of began this journey of kind of peeling back layers of not just that season. Cause I think there is seasonal and circumstantial depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. That's, that's really we- real, but also just kind of a bigger spiritual and emotional health process that y- you kind of had to go through and talk a little bit about, just it being in that pit and then kind of finding finding your way out of it. Well, I hadn't gone to counseling in years and there was nothing like major I thought in my mind had really changed. Even though when I say that now and lay it all out there, people are like, okay, <laughs> there, exactly. there was so much going on. And I think my issue with Micah is, you know, we laugh about it now, but he was just being a normal firstborn trying to figure out how to like leave and cleave. And so he literally just stopped talking to me because he was so nervous that, you know, he would do it wrong getting, you know, married and and still depending on us. And that is like a normal, you know, transition of life. But for me, that transition set into motion, these deep rooted um, feelings of loss that, I did not realize had always been so close to the surface. Mm. And I think when that happened, like I said, like my brain broke and there was nothing I could do to will myself back. One of the things that I just really respected about you in that season, and we'll talk a little bit more about this when we kind of talk about some next steps and, and kind of, you know, if you are in this season, but one of the things that I really appreciated in that season is you just recognized I can't lead right now. 
And no. you stood in front of our brand new church. I think we were two years old at the time, maybe a year and a half old at the time. And you just said, this is where I'm at. And I can't lead right now. And I can't pastor right now. Yeah. And it was, it was this important moment, I think, of one, def- defining reality that was our reality. Mm-hmm. And then also, two, I can just remember so many people after that service that were so emotional. They, they felt seen. They felt heard. Yeah. And you just, I didn't know how many people were struggling or, and this is before COVID, that how many people were struggling or had had a struggle in that area until you put a voice to it mm-hmm. and just said, you know, it might look, you know, we're traveling, we're speaking, we're doing marriage conferences, we have a book. And, and from the outside looking in, we just adopted these kids and we're marrying off a great son and his, what we love his wife. Right. But you just giving language to that. And um, I think being a voice for people who felt voiceless in that moment, it just, I mean, obviously I've loved you for a long time, but my <laughs> respect level for you just kind of went up mm-hmm. so high in that season. Well, it, it changed our community. And I think this is where the conversation begins to become hopeful because I think our church was shocked at my candidness of where I was at. And I didn't go into details, but I was honest with them. And there was an intimacy of being fully known by this community of faith and them learning to hold space as I began to find healing. And I think part of my healing was realizing, and I think for all of us who struggle um, with mental health issues is the biggest lie is that we're alone. Hmm. Like we're alone. And even if we were to tell somebody they're tired of our struggles or they're tired of us and we're just too much for them or we're never so enough. So much drama. So yeah. much drama. And then I began to do a deep dive into God's word. And then I realized like in the Old Testament, the New Testament, there are all of these scriptures that give way to the lament of a a hurting heart and a hurting soul and a hurting mind. Um, In Psalm 102, David has this lament that he says, God, don't hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Elijah in 1 Kings, he says, he asked that he might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. It's, It's this anguish that even though he felt that way, it wasn't the truth about him. And I think the reality of being able to be vulnerable. And, you know, Hannah says in first Samuel, she said, Hannah wept and would not eat. She was deeply distressed and she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't weep. Hopefully she wept bitterly. Paul says in second Corinthians chapter one, verses eight through 10, that we are so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we are despaired of life itself. We felt that we had received the sentence of death, right? It's this idea where we do feel knocked down. We do feel alone. And we see this in the life of Jesus, that he withdrew right before he knew what was coming, that he was about to have a brutal death. And he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And that just that, I think in our language and just kind of how familiar we get with the crucifixion story, I think we can minimize the anguish and 
just the depth of fear, anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. um, depression that Jesus was experiencing in that moment. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, I, I get anxious going to the doctor. Jesus was go- knew he was going to the cross. Like not, not all of us know what the next moment holds, but because he was fully God and fully, fully human, he completely knew. And I don't want to miss just the hope in that, that you have Jesus who is fully God and fully human. And in Matthew 26, verse 38, Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, hmm. overwhelmed with sorrow. And then John eleven thirty five, 35, it says that Jesus wept. And I think if we are going to begin to change the conversation about mental health, it begins when we create a safe place for ourselves and for one another that we won't have the answers. We won't be able to fix each other, but that Jesus models that the the beginning path to finding healing is a willingness to be brutally honest with your hearts, with your heart, your feelings, and your thoughts um, that feel like they are overwhelming you. You know, that's why I love that passage in Hebrews. It says, therefore, we have a great high high priest who empathizes. He he knows everything that we have felt, like like he has felt every emotion that we have felt. Mm -hmm. So we can go with confidence boldly to the throne of grace and know that God is going to give us what we need, what we what we ask for in our time of need. So it's like, it's almost like the prerequisite for us being bold is that Jesus has experienced what we're experiencing. And I think it, it can give us confidence. Obviously it's not like a five happy hops to no. feel better. Right. I mean, it is a journey, but I think that you can take comfort in knowing that, you know, Jesus has been there and what you feel isn't an isol not, not even if, if, even if nobody else in the world feels like you feel yeah. the savior of the world feels like has felt like you feel. And when it comes to mental health, it is a full physiological response. It is both emotional and it is physical, but it is also spiritual. And so for many of us in our mental health journey, like I know for me, mine was counseling. Um, I was put on medication. I'm still on that medication. It is a, a holistic approach, but what we are saying in starting this conversation, right? Because we're not going to button up this right. this whole this idea. This will be the first of many conversations we have on this. Is the idea that our worth is secure in who we are in Christ and that we have a Savior that knows what it's like for his heart and his soul and his mind to feel so overwhelmed with sorrow. The scripture says in Matthew 26, 38, that he felt overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mm-hmm. And so there is a knowing in that. There is a, a loving in that that says, you know what? I got you. Yeah. And I know you may not feel like it. And I know that you may feel overwhelmed with the work that needs to get done to be able to get to a place where you can walk in wholeness and healing. But I want to begin by telling you, I know you and I have been there and I am for you. And this does not change who I see you. You are a daughter and you are a son of, of the high king. That's, uh, that's so good. Let's, let's kind of turn the conversation 
just a little bit more like practical. Let's say that someone is in the valley right now, mm-hmm. or let's say that someone has a friend or a loved one or a spouse that is in this valley. Like there, there were days, you know, you didn't want to get out of bed. There have been days that I, I haven't wanted to get out of bed um, because I felt so down, so mm-hmm. depressed. Um, what is What are some truths that we can kind of cling to that when we're in that place, it might not necessarily pull us up immediately, but mm-hmm. it's going to give us a pathway through that valley. I recently heard one of my dear friends, uh, Heather Palacios, uh, speak, and she has um, for a long time shared her battle with mental health issues. And she recently uh, lost her um, brother um, to that battle. And she gave one of the most powerful um, encouragements uh, talks uh, that was so encouraging when it came to your that question of like, what can you do? And she said, this is going to be the simplest thing. But simple doesn't always mean easy. Hmm. But the way that she laid it out was so attainable. And she said something that literally has just changed my thought process. And she said, people would tell me, take it day by day. But day by day was too long for me. She goes, I, I have to take it hour by hour. And so when I put my head on the pillow, I have celebrated 12 or how many hours I've been up that I am alive. And then she said, and then I declare the truth of who God is. And she calls it the ABCs. And she literally went from A to Z, just describing who God is. You know, he is able, he is bold. It it was incredible. But that simple truth is what she was saying is, the first step that you can take as a Christ follower is to begin to declare who God is. That is so good. And here's why I think this is so important, because for a lot of us that struggle with depression and anxiety, what perpetuates it? The ruminating on it, mm-hmm. right? Like my life is is a mess. I've, I'm such a failure. And and for me, that's, that's where my mind goes. Mm-hmm. Well, what she is demonstrating is, She's not just saying, don't think about that. She's saying, replace those thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're, de- when you're declaring the goodness of God, you're, that's what you're ruminating on. That's what you're, de- that's what you're rehearsing in your mind. And, and that, even if you don't feel it, it begins to take root in your soul because we are spiritual beings. That truth doesn't get lost on us. It, it, it can begin to change um, our, the countenance of our heart, the countenance of our soul. And it might not necessarily solve every problem. Mm-hmm. But it can get you through another day. It can get you to the next step. Well, one of the things I, that has been helpful for me, Trish went through this experience about probably three and a half or four years ago. And so watching her navigate it and watching her process all that she needed to do to process it was so helpful for me because last fall I went through this through this season of just utter depression and just kind of feeling hopeless and part of that was my health and my, well, and I think the mental aspect affected my health. Like mm-hmm. my blood pressure was off the charts. Um, the doctor didn't know I was like still conscious when I went into the hospital. I will say, you know, sometimes you look back on this and you just find the moments to laugh at. But I think kind of like at your darkest hour, we, it was, gosh. Um, February, 2021. 
Yes, we are not a fan of Valentine's Day. You're going to learn this about us. We probably could do a whole podcast on why Valentine's Day sucks. <laughs> so you know it it just does, and so you know this Valentine's Day of what that was 2021. Mm-hmm. Was no different. We got fancied up and went. It was on a Sunday, and I told the church that morning, we hate Valentine's Day, and it's always a disaster. But tonight, it's going to be awesome. And Pray so for us. we go to dinner. It's this swanky place. And I'm looking at Justin, and he just does just not see himself. Like, he's not, like, grumpy, but he's not being kind either. And I'm just saying, like, we both get pretty excited about a fancy steak. Like, it only happens, you know, every so often. So, like, we are in it. And he's just not. And so then I began to like ask him and then he kind of does. He did get grumpy with me. But then like it went from grumpy to like super concerned. You were. I'm like, I just thought like, have you ever been in that place where you're just like trying to tell yourself you feel better than you really do? That's kind of where I was. I'm like, my heart is not beating really fast right now. And I don't feel like I'm going to pass out right now. And I'm going to go to the bathroom and splash and lower my face and I'll be fine. Which, I mean, several years ago, we were at a fancy restaurant, right? On trying to celebrate Valentine's you, you Day. <laughs> you can't tell a story on a story about me. I'm just, I'm given, you know, the background. And so we were at this fancy restaurant downtown. Morton, Morton Steakhouse. And Justin's like, I need to use the restroom. And I'm like, okay. And like 20 minutes later, he comes back. And I'm just sitting there. The waiter like brings us, I don't know, an appetizer. And he's like, sorry, man. I just got sick in the bathroom. And within like seconds, we were escorted out. <laughs> so like, you can go now. So I'm just, I, I'm saying this for you because you, you know, you were trying to hang in there because you didn't want to have another episode of you going to the bathroom and us leaving. But we did. And I was feeling horrible. We go home and I lay down. I, I'm like, Trisha's like, let's just go to the hospital. Let's just go to the emergency room. Let's just go. I'm like, no, we kind of got into a fight about it. I'm like, I'm fine. I just need to go home and lay down. So I lay down for about 30 seconds and I'm like, we got to go. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so we go to the hospital and it gets a little scary really quick because his blood pressure. They can't get it down with like a regular drug or whatever. Now, I need you to know two things about Justin. One, he's a hypochondriac. And two, in all of our years of marriage, he has never been in the hospital ever, ever. So he is just freaked out in general. Never had surgery. I don't think you've ever even had an IV. So they begin to hook an IV up to him and start pumping all kinds of medicines through him to get his heart rate down. And at this point, we don't know if he's had like a stroke or a heart attack, which he didn't. But at the time, we didn't know. So I am sitting. This is like during COVID protocol. So I've got my mask on. The doctor, the nurse got his have their mask on. And they are in the room when my husband, who has been heavily so- sedated. Heavily sedated. I'm like drunk. I've never been drunk before. You haven't, but this was this was like hilarious. He finds me in this teeny tiny hospital room, and he looks at me, and he's like, "Hey," and I was like, "Hi." He lifts up his gown, of which he just has his you know whitey tighties on, and he flips his gown over, and he says, "Hey, you want to come over here?" easy access (laughs) and the nurse and the doctor and I literally we laughed so hard we had like tears 
And then like he was just out of control from that point on. He started looking at his phone, of which I had to take it away because I don't know he who he was texting. But I eventually got him on his way home and we're in the car and you guys, it's snowing and he like loses his mind. He's like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, baby, what's ridiculous? He's like, this snow is ridiculous. It's a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. (laughs) And y'all, it is like, I don't know, three in the morning. I am trying so hard not to laugh. But then what sent me over the edge is what, what was the word you kept saying over and over again? Hypertension. <laughs> he kept like going, it's a conspiracy. Hypertension. It's a really weird word. Hyper. Oh my gosh. It it should not have been the best night of my life, but it was it was funny in a in a dark time. <laughs> and then when we got him home, I had to have our son help me get him out of the car. And to know Justin, he loves basketball. So even in his like drugged up state. We get him out and he does like a faux shot towards our basketball goal. I'm like, that was money. (laughs) That was money. But I'm just saying, we did have a little glimpse of fun before things got a little dicey. Sometimes depression and anxiety can trigger us from the outside, but it's a battle that we have to fight from the inside too. And so I think remembering the faithfulness of God has been really helpful for me. And here's why this has been so helpful because... I don't know about you guys, but one of the most complicated places I've been spiritually over the last year is having the faith to know that God could have intervened in certain things and then he chose not to. Hmm. That only, that does not just present a spiritual problem for me. That presents an emotional problem for me because then I start thinking, well, what, what, what did I do wrong? And why is God upset with me? Right. And theologically, I know that that's not the case, but emotionally I can be in a fragile place where my emotional state, it kind of intercepts my spiritual health. Right. And so for me, remembering God's faithfulness and going back and looking at, that's why I think the nation of Israel was told over and over again to build altars, Mm. just to remember, 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 remember. And I think as we remember how God was faithful in the past, it helps us have confidence in the valley in the future because we're not, we're not going to be spared from discouragement and heartache and betrayal and all of the things that are going to come at us. But remembering God's faithfulness, I think, is going to help at least, at least has for me, kind of calm the sea a little bit and allow me to, to keep my head above water even when I am in the valley. I shared a little bit. I think I shared this that um, maybe I haven't, but last year I went to what I call trauma camp. Um, It's a place called Onsite, and we'll eventually kind of get to that story in the podcast. We have to get to the other side of other side of certain things before we share them, and we're kind of in the middle of some of this. Yeah, and it's not in our marriage, but just in um, other relationships. And when I was at trauma camp. They did this exercise that I think I was in such a bad place. I really could not pay attention or maybe I just didn't understand what they were asking of us, but they put out like all of these beanie babies and you were supposed to pick a beanie baby. And I just kind of was not for it. And so I just picked some random beanie baby and I went back to my cabin and my on my way there, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And the day before my counselor told me that I could put up my hand and be like, here's my stop sign. 
I'm not ready for this. I'm like, I'm taking my stop sign and taking this beanie baby back. So I take the beanie baby back and I go back to my cabin and I tell my roommates what I did. And they start talking about their beanie baby. And then I realized that the beanie baby is supposed to represent your inner child. Well, I took my inner child (laughs) back and dropped her off. Yeah, it was hilarious. But later on in the week, I actually had um, a, a kid who was about in his 20s. He was in my group therapy sessions and he gave me um, his beanie baby and it was uh, this little ox and he just spoke. It's not a Christian environment, but he just spoke such a word of encouragement to my heart as he watched me all week kind of fight, be the best mom that I feel like, you know, called to be that I want to be. And I look at that beanie baby all the time. It's right on my like little desk area at home. And it is this reminder. And I think that's what's so important about this episode. Kind of the the heart behind it is the first of many conversations. And if you walk away with anything today is to know that your mental health, it is not your identity and it does not disqualify you hmm. and it doesn't make you less than but you have an opportunity to allow people to come around you, the right people. And for many of us, that, those people are both professional doctors and counselors, but then also friends. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I've never been there. So this podcast kind of feels very heavy, very heavy, or, or maybe it feels heavy because you are living it with a friend or a spouse and you have just felt like you are like, you have no idea what to do. And our encouragement is just show up, yeah, just show up and listen and love and listen. And maybe the best gift that you can give is to help navigate your um, friend or your spouse finding that cohesive team. I know I did not find my trauma camp all by myself. I called a really good friend and you, Justin, alongside me, like you guys made that happen for me logistically in a way that I just wasn't up for making. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of shame that goes into this area. And I think one of the things that we recognized last summer, last fall, when when you went to onsite is shame doesn't get the last word here. Like this is about health. This isn't about reputation. This isn't about other people's perception. And at that time it wasn't about money because we were, we would do anything. We'd have done anything. We would have sold anything. I mean, I think thankfully we, we had the money and um, we were blessed with the, you know, the money to, to, to go there. But it was one of those things where we knew that a counseling session wasn't enough. Right. And so if you're listening to this and you're struggling and you feel defeated, like, well, I am in counseling or I am on medication. That's okay. Like it's okay that you might need more help. It's okay that you might, you know, need marriage counseling. It's okay that you might need medication. Like don't allow the stigma that other people may have been pushing on you to define you in this area. Your Mm -hmm. mental and emotional health is as important to God as your spiritual growth. And so consider this a permission slip. 
this is this is a, a permission slip coming right through your iPhone or right through, right through Spotify right now mm-hmm. for for you to one just be okay not being okay right now. That's right. And and allowing God to start there. Mm-hmm. And and just identifying that, you know, and 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 then you know, maybe asking for help. Or even if you're, even if your um, depression or your anxiety is circumstantial, talk to a friend. You know, one of the most courageous things you can do is say, hey, I'm not well. Yeah. And one of the things that Trish and I, thankfully Trish and I haven't been down at the same time. <laughs> We've kind of alternated uh, seasons. But one of the things that we know is if I say, hey, I'm not doing well, she doesn't shame me. She doesn't make me feel bad and vice versa. So we're, we're they're fighting for each other, not just with each other. So as we close this podcast, this is not meant to be like, oh, here it comes. She's going to button it up. But I do want to honor both my husband and I that we have worked so stinking hard over the past year and we are the healthiest we've ever been. And I'm just in, in full disclosure, like my mental health almost killed me physically. Yeah. Right. Like not taking care of myself mentally and emotionally. It almost killed me. I was at the, the heaviest I've ever been. My cholesterol was super high. I was having anxiety and panic attacks. Like, and so I'm not saying this from a position of like, I got it all together. I'm saying this from a position of I was at the bottom mm. and, and we are in a healthy place now because we fought like hell to get there. Yeah. I'm thinking of this song. Started at the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> that's, oh. a, that's of all the ways that I thought you were going to end the podcast, <laughs> that was not one of them. Well, we are going to have a lot of information for you in the podcast notes. We are going to have uh, my friend Heather Palacios's um, information. She does an awesome um, ministry where they do what is called life boxes that you can learn more about that. And put some resources on there for you to, you know, be able to check out and just know that you are not alone. And also know that this is one of many, many, many conversations that we hope to have um, along the way. We love you guys. We're thankful for you being on this journey with us. And we're not going to stop getting real about some things that we need to get real about. So we'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for what we believe to be a very important discussion and really the first of many discussions on the topic of mental health on the Let's Get Real podcast. If you missed it, this podcast was sponsored by Chris Johnson and the Near North Real Estate Group. Thank you, Chris, for your belief in the Let's Get Real podcast. Well, you may have missed our Marriage Mentor Masterclass in November, but don't fret, don't stress. It is coming up again on December 1st. We're going to be talking about how to survive and thrive during the holidays. How can we survive and thrive in our marriage, stay married, and also visit family? It is going to be Thursday, December 1st, 2022 at 8 p.m. You can register by going to refineus.org slash masterclass. Guys, thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.